Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. Welcome back to another episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. I'm John Shirky here with my friend and co-host, Jamie Wagner. Jamie, as always, good to see you. How are we doing today? A little bit chaotic. Like our lives are a little chaotic. You are currently on a sailboat. Uh, recording a podcast on a sailboat. I don't know how often that's happened before, but we're making history on the Eyes Up Mindset podcast for sure. Still not a sailing podcast, but I am on a sailboat. Um, opportunity to to go and spend some time with my wife and, and my father-in-law and, and do some really cool stuff and and still get to spend time with you and, and our listeners and just had, you know, an incredible time with our guests today. And, and uh, I mean, I'm going to let you talk about it because you always do, but like, I'm still, my, my brain is just kind of spinning right now. And I think it was just an awesome time to, to get together with him. So us as coaches, when we're, when we're talking about kids, we talk about, Oh, this kid gets it. This kid gets it. He understands. He figures it out. Like they know they get it. Ed Molitor, who's on the pod today, he has a podcast of his own called the athletics of business. That's his, his kind of company group. And he's got a, group called the Molitor group also and, and all this stuff that he does is because he gets it he just understands and he's a coach's kid so he's around it for forever but he understands what this life thing requires right and the conversation obviously draws that out but for me it's just these and we talk about this there, but it's these tiny little changes in perception and changes in maybe it might even be language that the people that get it, they say it and you just start nodding along. And that was a lot of our conversation today was him saying something and me like nodding and smiling because he gets it. Yeah. Well, he gets it. And it's also like challenging for us. Like, yes, this is, he gets it and this is what we are dealing with and what you are dealing with out there. And it's applicable. It's not pie in the sky sort of stuff. It's like, this is, this is real life stuff. You need to start doing these things. Right. And, uh, just, just a cool dude. Uh, like you said, business guy, um, former college basketball coach, you know, big time college basketball and couldn't be more real. I loved, I love that he took the time to, to spend it with us. So, yeah, it's, we talk about, like I said, this idea of getting it and not being able to describe it. I think that's unbelievable authenticity, right? Unbelievable truth in the words that he's saying. And uh, I think if we could all live like that, it's a great model for us to think about how do I do this thing daily? Take a step. Let's do it like he does. Ed Molitor. Ed, welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. Great to have you here today. Hey, Jamie, John, thank you so much for having me. I love what you guys are doing. I love your backgrounds. I love the, the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. I mean, just incredible stuff. And I appreciate you having me on. We're so excited to have you. I've been, I'm going to repeat what you just said about the Athletics of Business Podcast. I've taken some really awesome stuff from it. And I would encourage our listeners to go and check that out I appreciate ASAP, that. man, because yeah. it's... Uh, you know, not only do you have a voice for radio, you got some awesome stuff to give away. So <laughs> go ahead and say it. I have a face for radio too. That's fine. absolutely <laughs> no, I'm, um, but I I've taken some really great stuff from it and, and just 
the the concept of how you're trying to take from sport which is so valuable to so many of us and it taught us so much about life and now transition it into the business world where you know and i've said this on the podcast before but we do so much of this stuff when we're doing sports we think oh this is i'm committed to this thing because it's finite or it's it's done in three months or whatever and i can give this great effort for this period of time but then we get out of that sports setting and we think that we don't have to do that anymore. And I think that's just crazy, right. you know, kind of. So um, I think what you're doing is really cool also. So we're going to we're gonna be a little bit uh, giving each other Already. a lot of Let's praise here from yeah. the beginning. No, so, right. yeah. Yeah, I so, thought uh, of three stories. As soon as you said that last thing, I thought of three stories to tell you. But let's yeah. go. Well, go t- tell. what. So tell us a little bit about, you know, what you're doing, the, the Molitor group, you know, the podcast, the whole thing. Just give us the, yeah, give us so the it's, spiel. It's been a really interesting journey. You know, I mean, it really has. And the Molitor group is in the athletics of business brand is really a, a culmination of experiences I've had going back to my childhood, growing up a coach's son and starting on the South side of Chicago. My dad was in the Catholic league and then he moved up to the Northwest suburbs of Chicago and brought the same work ethic, the same values, the same mindset up there. And it's, it was different back then, you know, that was 76. It was different, but people bought into it. And I, and as I grew up, I, was in the locker rooms. I was at the practices. I was on the buses and I heard the same things over and over and over. So to me, that was just a way of life, just the way he went about doing things and how hard his team plays and how cohesive and close they were. And the whole, you know, learning from failure and growing through adversity and going through all these things together just seemed normal to me. You know, I would sit in cars with him. I'm not, you know, saying cliche but we'd listen to cassettes of George Raveling. If it is to be, it's up to me. We'd listen to Zig Ziglar, right? We'd listen to, to all those guys. And I was reading John Wooden, God knows what age, right? And I was reading my dad's notes when he come home from coaches clinics. And I would sit up and stay late with him when his buddies would stay the night when they're in recruiting and, and things like that. And then when I went into coaching, um, in 1998, we got fired at Texas A&M. And I was, you know, I was like, God, it's been my whole life. I originally had been a pre-med major in college at Creighton. And I just kind of wasn't very mature. You know, I thought the whole world revolved around basketball, right? I was genius, wasn't I? So anyways, like, like a lot of college athletes. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so I get out and I go into coaching and, and was on a pretty good track. Things were going pretty well. I started division two school here in Chicago at Lewis university and worked for an incredible man, Jim Whitesell and, and went and went back to work for one of my college coaches, coach Brony at Texas A&M. And my second year there, which was his sixth, he got let go. I was 28. Now, Mind you, before I went to Texas A&M, I was living across the street from Wrigley Field. Okay, so my world, I'm like, I'm getting back to Chicago. I just want to try something different. I got into the mortgage business, and that was the start of the first refi boom in Chicago. Great time to get into it. Had no idea what I was doing. My only training was fake it till you make it, literally fake it till you make it. And I I got this gut feeling that I was moving away from a transformational business making a positive impact on young men's lives so they can maximize their potential on and off the court into, you know, transformational business into a transactional business. Right. In hindsight, I was wrong because the mortgage business is very transformational. If you really think about it, you know, I look back on it and my clients then were one of two sets of people. They're young folks getting their first home, which was probably the single biggest financial investment they had made in their life up to that point. Okay. And others that were refined to take cash out their hard earned equity to maybe buy a second home, maybe buy a boat, right. Um, maybe pay off college debt, whatever it was. Um, so very transformational for those folks, but I didn't see that then I was still young. I was still immature. And I thought everything revolved around coaching, but to speak to what you just said, Jamie, what I realized was the culture wasn't the same. The work ethic wasn't the same. 
the, the, the teamwork, even though I worked with an incredible group of guys, young guys, a lot of former athletes, just, we had a lot of fun, a lot of three Oh five Cubs starts on Friday afternoon at Wrigley, a lot of golf, but, but there was something missing. There was something different. And that's what it was. It was that edge, you know, it was that going to battle every single day that trying to incremental improvement, trying to get better. And all it was, was metrics and looking at numbers, which is fine. We all need stats, but that was literally what was driving us on a day-to-day basis. And that was that, I didn't know it then, but that was going to be the foundation of the athletics of business. And I'm sure Jamie, you've heard this, you know, as I've said it before on the podcast with my dad was I was raised to know two things. And I don't know if it was intentional on my dad's part or it stuck with me. The athletics are a microcosm of life. And for me, my, my game of reference, my sport of reference is basketball for your, you know, for you guys, football, basketball is a frame of mind game. And you can say about any sport, right? And to me, that's where it all started to happen. And as I kind of bounced back and forth between corporate America and college coaching, um, I just sort of knew this is the way I was training. And the reason I founded the, the Molitor group where we do leadership performance coaching um, and keynote speaking was because I missed the deep relationships. I missed the transformational relationships over the long term. getting, you know, we always talk about, we're going to get in the trenches with you, right? I want to get in the trenches for you, for my clients and work and take the journey with you. And that goes back to think about your guys in your football that you played for each other, right? You, the, the, the great teams, the championship teams played for each other. They went through crap for each other. And that's the way I had, I built my business and the athletics of business podcast. I have been blessed with some amazing guests. See, this is what's different. On my podcast, my guests carry me. On this podcast, you are going to carry your guests. So let's be really clear about that, okay? So that's that's really the story behind that, though. But that's the big thing. And I think that's a difference maker. And if you look at today's business world, today's workforce, okay, they want three things. They want to know that they're valued, which we wanted in sports, right? We want to know we're valued. They want to know that the work they do is important, we want to know that our role is important, no matter how much or how little playing time we are getting. And they want to be coached. And who were the best coaches in our lives? They were athletic coaches. I can still think, of, I still remember Mr. Del Vecchio, sixth grade basketball. I had my arms folded. We were all sitting around shooting free throws in my arm folded. Nothing, next thing I know, a basketball hits me in the face. Never play basketball with your arms folded. That's what's going to happen. I am not folding my arms on a basketball court no matter how many times I've been to practice as a coach ever since. Okay. But in all, in all kidding aside, um, athletic coaches, the good ones, the great ones, the ones that do it for the right reason are transformational. No question. I love in your podcast. And then even just now you're talking about not with, but for, and like the, the shaping of a single word and and you do it a bunch in, in what I've heard, like, instead of, be your best, like, or be the best, be your best, right? Yeah. A single word can shape the way that you see and interact with something. And, and one of your recent ones and one that's super relevant in the current context of our world is yeah. that adversity is happening for us yeah. rather than happening to us. I love that framing. Yeah. Like, talk to us about how you work with businesses or work with individuals about reframing for rather than too when it comes to adversity well you know and that's and i appreciate pointing that out and and that's the thing like when you take the time and give yourself perspective right i mean you really do and you 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 pause and when adversity hits you what do we do okay a lot of people are all of a sudden going to be become hypersensitive to it they're going to overreact they're going to overthink okay they're going to um make quick decisions um they're going to get very emotional 
But when you take the time to pause and really take a deep breath, okay, and really reflect and like, okay, what does this mean to me? Where am I at? And what do I need to do to get to where I want to go? Okay. And how is this really going to impact me? And what opportunities are there here? Like what, what really does, what does this mean? And I tell you a great example. I use my good friend, Porter Moser, who's a head men's basketball coach at Loyola. Porter and I played together at Creighton coached together at Texas A&M. And I'll never forget one day at the time I was coaching, I was a junior college coach and one of Porter's childhood buddies, uh, Phil Escala, who's the head boys coach at Lake Forest high school right now, which is where Rob Palenka of the Lakers went. Uh, Phil calls me. He goes, hey, man, you talked to Porter today? And I go, no, I haven't. Now, mind you, they had just beaten Creighton two years, two weeks, excuse me, two weeks previously. They got upset in the Missouri Valley tournament. This is 2007. He goes, yeah, he goes, I just saw in the ticker Porter got fired. I go, come on. I go, I talked to him. He, I go, he didn't get fired. I talked to him two days ago. He goes, he goes I'm telling you, he, they, they, it just said on ESPN, Porter got let go. So I call Porter up immediately. No answer. And about 15 minutes later, he calls me and I said, where are you at? He goes, McDonald's drive through And I said, what's going on? And he goes, I got to let go. And he tells me the whole story. And it's a long involved story, personal story about how it all went down. It's complete garbage. You know, I mean, garbage. And anyways, he will tell you to this day, it was the single greatest thing that happened to him in his career. And here's why he had some small division one offers. Okay. That he could have taken. And then all of a sudden uh, the assistant job at St. Louis came up with Rick Majerus and he had met Rick years before when he was coaching at A&M. And this is before I got to A&M. They were uh, playing in the rainbow classic in Hawaii. And not, it might've been Maui at the time, regardless, he did a film exchange with like with Rick at like midnight. Okay. And Rick will ask, and God rest his soul and my all time favorites. Rick would ask a million questions when he had an opportunity to. So I met Porter sat there next and owed about the opponent. And Rick really took a liking to Porter. Now here they are years later and Rick offers him a job, but it's, it's in people's eyes. Okay. Maybe not our eyes. Like the three of us would get it, but in people's eyes on the peripheral, they just know it from the surface. Be like, guys, oh, he took a step back. Now he's going to be an assistant, you know, and, and that conference for, for Rick and what, He'll tell you it's the single greatest thing that ever happened to him. You know, I was actually reading an article today because I'm writing something for a present virtual presentation I'm doing. And um, it, it talked about how it was devastating. It was the most fulfilling thing and rewarding thing because he learned so much from Rick about coaching. Right. And, and Rick was an X and O guy. Porter is an X and O guy, but there was so much more to it and how he went about doing things. And Porter will tell you, once he was able to reframe it and realize that that situation presented the opportunity like he he may not be a Loyola today he may never have gone to Loyola had he not gone and worked for Rick at St. Louis that's just the way it all works out and I think when you have the ability to take situations no matter how small they are or no matter how big they are and really find the opportunity inside of that adversity and attach it to your purpose you know to why you're doing things and you get that you know we always talk about buy-in right as leaders we talk about oh we got to get buy-ins leaders need to understand you can't sell what you don't own Okay. So you have to, you have to figure out a way to buy into the fact that there is an opportunity with this piece of adversity. And, and we talk all the time about this growing through adversity, not getting through adversity. And you guys will get this. How many times, I mean, more games are lost than one, right? Because what happens? Teams start playing not to lose instead of playing to win. And when we try to go through adversity, just to, or, you know, just get through it. Let's just get past this. You're playing not to lose. You have the scarcity mindset, when you try to grow through something, you become really intentional with how you identify what you need to do to move from where you are to where you need to be. Knowing you may not get there, right? But knowing that you're going to come out the other side uh, better. And that's 
you know, right when this pandemic started eight months ago. And I, I got real intense about the folks I had on the podcast. And I, I, they asked me what I thought. I'm, I'm trying to ask as many questions as I can just get out of the way and listen. They asked me what I thought. And I said, honestly, I think one of two things is going to happen, are going to happen, excuse me. I said, either your authentic leadership is going to be revealed. In other words, you're the real deal, right? Or it's going to be exposed. You're paying lip service and now you're screwed. And I'll tell you what, eight months later, it's exactly what's happened. And on an individual basis, I think, you know, it's, and it's never too late to start. There might be someone listening to us been like, well, I've kind of been going through the motions. Okay. Stop going through the motions right now. You know, take that next step, get 1% better. And, and that's it. And I think one of the keys, and you talk about the one word and the little tweak on things. One of the things I love that Kevin Eastman says in his book and said on my podcast, it's the ability to be your best, even when you're not at your best. And I don't know if any of us, the last eight months have been in our best and it's circumstances way beyond our control. Boy, it's a lot in there, Ed. I, w- I want to go back to the, the story with your friend at Loyola and how yep. you said, you know, looking back now, he would say that's the single greatest thing that's, that's happened to him in his, in his career. Mm-hmm. Did he feel that in the moment or did that take time? Because, because I think that is, that's part of the skill, right? Is how do we get to that where we can make that transition as quick as possible, but it's not always going to be like, Hey, Oh yeah, now this is, this is great. I just got fired from my job and what am I going to do? I'm at the McDonald's parking lot. Right. I just, I'm, I'm with my father-in-law these few for a few days and and we were just talking about, and not that we're a political podcast. And I know I just heard you say that about yours. We're, We're not talking politics here, but you know, he talked about no matter what happens with this election, He's like, this is what's going to happen in my business. If this person wins, this is what's going to happen or what I need to do if this person wins. And that was the first thing that he said to me. And it wasn't even like, oh, I, I, if I got I to gotta have this person, otherwise it's going to be this whole thing. Right. It was just like, nope, boom, I'm here, this or this, you know, and, and I, again, go back to your friend. It's like, how do we get to the point where we reduce that amount of time that it takes us to get that perspective? You've got to control your discretionary thinking. Right. So in other words, you've got to control the conversation in your mind and you've got to make a commitment. And really it starts, I could back up, really it starts with you believing in yourself. When you do, when you do things the right way for the right reasons, right. At the right time, you're going to, you're going to have a level of self-confidence that's kind of unmatched. And when you have that, you'll develop that ability to, okay, next, next play. It's like basketball. You know, you'll hear guys and I love out here. There's some high school coaches that literally their kid will shoot a shot. He'll know the ball's not going in. They'll be like next play. Right. But that's what it is right now. You've got to move on to the next play. You know, you think about football. Okay. You guys turn the ball over. Well, your defense has got to come on the field and get a stop. That's it. You know, it's all my bears did yesterday, but anyways, that's another story. And, (laughs) and, and and you've got to in overtime and you're absolutely right. No. Did he know that this was going to be the best thing that happened to him? No, no. But he bought into the fact that he made the decision. He owned the decision and he was going to do every single thing he could to squeeze that sponge dry. You know, I ask myself a question every night before I, I call it a day and every morning, you know, when I start my day and I check in during the day and I ask all my clients this, whether they're the C-level folks, whether they're mid-level or whatever level they're at in the business world or even the athletic world is this, are you doing the best you can with what you have to become the best you are capable of becoming? Now, everyone's like, well, that's a long sentence. There's a lot, it's a long sentence with a lot there. So break it down. Are you doing the best you can emotionally? physically okay mentally 
Are you doing the best you can? Are you giving the best effort? Are you giving the smartest effort? With what you have, what do you have? You have your resources, you have your skills, you have your circumstances. We have a whole lot of circumstances right now. Okay. We have our, we have our relationships. We have our inner circle. We have technology. We have, um, you know, knowledge and information at our fingertips to become the best you're capable of becoming. We don't know how good we're really capable of being and we never will, but are we going to get 1% better today? Okay. Are we going to, are we going to move forward? Are we going to get 1% better today? And you think about that. If you get 1% better every single day, it doesn't seem like a lot. It's a lot. Okay. It is, it is really a lot. And when you do things that way, I think over time you start to realize, and you think about when Porter went to Loyola, they were still in, they, they were still in uh, the Midcon. Okay. They weren't even in the Missouri Valley, Valley yet. Valparaiso was still pretty decent. Okay. I mean, they, it wasn't like they were winning that league and all of a sudden they take the jump to Missouri Valley. And I can remember I would go to the games and I don't get these seats anymore. Okay. I used to go to the games and sit at half court at, at the press table. You know, now it's like, I'm just happy to be in the building. And, uh, and I hope Porter listens to this podcast and no, but you, you know, I sat there and I remember thinking, God, we just, you just got to keep, just keep grinding, keep working. And where's the magic, right? The magic is in the consistency. That's it. Showing up every day. And when you do that, when you do that, something good is, is bound to happen, but that also more importantly, that it helps you keep moving forward, which right now, that's it. You know, so you're talking about like your father-in-law, the only thing we can do. When we wake up Wednesday morning, who knows? I mean, who knows what's going to be going on Wednesday morning? I mean, the sun may not come up or it might not go down. I don't know what the deal is going to be. But regardless, <laughs> it's going to be a different time, right? We just got to keep doing what we have to do that day. You know, just keep moving forward. Pay attention to what we need to pay attention to and then keep moving. Well, you talked about controlling your discretionary thinking. And one of our big realities is that the way that we think shapes the way that we perform, the way that we think shapes the way that we act. And then the reality is, is that when you act with consistency, it actually starts to work cyclically where it starts to shape the way that you think, because you talked about it, this striving for excellence, this striving for belief in yourself. Like I do the right things at the right times for the right reasons. Like that thing reproduces kind of the magic, right? That's where the consistency is so, so powerful because not only do your thoughts shape your actions, eventually when you do it with consistency and with integrity, your actions begin to shape your thoughts. And that's so powerful. And that's why asking a question, like the one that you just explained to us every day, multiple times a day becomes a way to shape how you behave. And we talk about everything is a skill. Everything is a skill that is learned over time. And we either drift towards good things because we're developing good skills or we're drifting away from good things because we're developing not great skills. And you talk again, this, this framing that you do is, is so awesome. Instead of positive or negative, it's productive or unproductive, right? Yeah, productive yeah. thought instead of unproductive thought. And I, I love that also, but what are you developing today? That's that 1%. It's a skill. What skill are you working on today to get better? And uh, like quotes, like talking about what are you putting in? What are you taking in? What sort of input are you getting on a day-to-day basis? It, that stuff, we don't think it matters, but it, it matters. On Wednesday morning, what are you listening right. to, right? Well, it, it's funny. It's funny that you say that because it... You know, we talk like I, I like to do triathlons right now. I was training for my first half Ironman this summer, and I, you know, one of the things I realized about myself at this old age, okay, 
is after I swim, I love to eat. All right. And so I was having a conversation one day with one of my buddies. And he said something to me. I go, well, speaking of my diet, because he was, he was, he was all negative about something. Just going down a bad rabbit hole. I go, I go, I go, you need to balance your diet. He goes, what are you talking about? I go, nice, seriously. I go, you need to balance your diet. He goes, I go, what do you feed your mind on a daily basis? I go, seriously, I go, what are you feeding your mind on a daily basis? And I think that's something that's so critical that people look past and we worry about all these things because you just, you just said it, right? You know, where you direct your attention is what is going to create your thoughts. Your thoughts will create your emotions and your emotions are going to dictate your behavior. So we have more control over our success. And then, like you said, it's a cyclical, it's a feedback loop right now. Once you start consistently doing that, you have no choice but to look at things in a positive light because you're looking at the next opportunity and you're looking at the next opportunity and, and see, that's, what's so cool about it. But you talk about like, okay, the quotes, what are you reading? What podcast are you listening to? Who are you having conversations with? Like I'm, maybe I'm bad, but if you are in my life and you're negative and you're not feeding off my positive energy, it's not that I'm better than you. It's just, I just don't have time. I just, I just don't have time in my day. You know, I get up at four 30 every day. Okay. Sometimes four. And I do that because of this. I have an eight-year-old and a six-year-old who are hybrid school right now. So, you know, one week it's going to be three days are going to be here. The other week it's going to be two days, right? And so I need to get my work done. When you run your own business, you have a podcast, you have a wife who's amazing at what she does and she works her butt off and you have the kids and then you have the kids sports and then you have your own workouts. You need to figure out a way to find time for yourself, right? So from the minute, the minute I get up in the morning, I'm only paying attention to from the first thing I said to myself, because you think about it, right? We talk about control of control, but what's the very first thing that we first decision we make every single day is our attitude. And I get really intentional about that. It's going to be a positive thought, right? It's going to be a positive thought. And it's going to be, you know, what's the one thing I always plan my day the night before. What's the one thing I need to get done today that will make everything else easier to do or unnecessary to do. All right. And then I meditate. I say my prayer and I journal. Okay. If it's one of my swim days, I go swim and then I feel like, and then I want to come home and take a nap, but that's another story. No, but all, but all can say, can, excuse me, all kidding aside, you control your thoughts and what you're looking at paying attention to the start of each day. You know, are you picking up your phone and are you looking at the text messages you missed last night? Are you returning your emails before you get out of bed? Are you, God forbid right now, you should be looking at the news because there is not one bit of good information. Okay. On there. What, how are you starting your day? And, and like you said, you're either moving towards a, the productive skills or you're moving away from them. You're moving in another direction. And at some point, doesn't that become our default? And that's it. You know, and I think- Design or default, right? Design yeah. your day or mm-hmm. default into systems that you've just done and you don't know why you do them. Right. You don't know how or what brought you to that place. It's just right. normal. It's just right. comfortable. And so can we design our day? I do. So I do think it's important though, because like for us and Jamie, you and I talk about this quite a bit because we have conversations and it becomes, we talk about this and we engage with this every day. Right. But if you are out there listening and you, I mean, hopefully you have somebody because you're listening to our podcast and you're listening to Ed's podcast and you have people in your life that are modeling this sort of way to live, right. More intentionality design, um, taking control of how you're thinking. But I think there are a lot of people out there that just don't understand what that even means. You know, for us, it becomes second nature because we're engaged in it all the time. But I think there's people out there that are like, how do I even, 
how do I even start doing that? Yeah. It sounds great, Ed, that you get up before you journal, you, you meditate, you do, you do your thing, but like, if that's not my routine, how do I even start that? You know, I think that that's, I think probably the overwhelming part for somebody out there who's like, well, I don't have three people in my life that are feeding this good stuff to me every day, you know, that I can model and keep me accountable. It's just like, this is how I have always lived my life. This is how my family lived their life. This is how the people around me live their life. And that's what I end up doing. Well, and that's a, that's a great point in my routine might not be your routine. Your routine might be at night. You know, I think that's a key, especially right now. We have to have the ability to have a little grace with ourselves. You know, you think about the sport you play, the sport where we come from, it's like, okay, keep running through the wall. Keep banging your head against the wall. Like how hard can you play? Like play hurt, right? There was no, we didn't have any grace with ourselves. I think that's so significant right now to be able to give yourself permission to do things differently, right? To fail, to, to, to fail forward, right? To, to continue to grow. To, and, and when you look at it, you know, what's, what's your core values, Okay. What I always talk about being value, you know, values, you know, core values are so key because of your reference point. I, I, you probably have heard this listening to my podcast. I talk about authenticity a lot, right? Have you guys read the uh, book legacy by James Kerr? Oh, you gotta, you have to pick it up. Legacy by James Kerr. It's about the all blacks, New Zealand, all blacks. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's unbelievable, right? It's, I just sent a bunch of them out to some folks I did a presentation for the other day and I read it several years ago when it first came out. And when you hear these men talk about authenticity, I mean, these are warriors, right? These are legit guys that you think nothing phases them emotionally, which couldn't be more, you know, couldn't be further from the truth. And they talk about authenticity. Authenticity. I really took a, a, a curiosity of how I could apply that to my business and to my clients and to my life. And I break it down into three words. Honesty, the ability to be honest with yourself and to be honest with others. Okay, you think about it in a team setting integrity, which you just mentioned, Jamie, and I break down integrity in terms of um, do your thoughts, beliefs, and your words, okay, align with your actions, okay, so uh, do I do what I say I'm going to do when I say I'm going to do it the way I say I'm going to do it, and am I, am I consistent about it so you can trust me, and then a big one right now is vulnerability, and John, this kind of speaks to what you're saying, okay, that's not my thing, okay, go seek it, go find it, and make yourself a little bit vulnerable, make yourself a lot of bit vulnerable. People think vulnerability means, well, I'm powerless. And the reality of it is you're actually more powerful. Okay. Because you're going to fill that gap, whatever that gap may be. Well, and I think you said it too, go seek it, make yourself vulnerable mm -hmm. and you're going to find people that are willing to be vulnerable. I think okay. there's also a lot of people out there that are like, well, I, I want, I want to engage in something like that they're waiting for someone else to start the conversation. They're waiting for someone else to take that first step. And, you know, so I have a mental health background and, and that's part of what we talk about with people is like, Hey, if you want to start that conversation, you've got to do it right. People around you are willing and able to have the, those conversations and engage in this stuff where you're talking about honesty, integrity, you know, and, and being vulnerable but you have to initiate that sometimes because there's not always going to be somebody there. You have to go seek it and take that step. And you guys know, as athletes, we had a tendency to really internalize things, right. And not share our struggles at times. And I was on the phone with the college athletic director this morning, a good friend of mine. I'm not going to, it's because what I'm about to tell you, it's a, you know, in terms of privacy, but he said some of the conversations that their athletes are having with their coaches right now are mind blowing. 
you know, the mental health challenges. And, and we, and it's, you know, my, and I'm so legit when I say this, I actually, I hurt for these athletes and for these coaches. Right. I actually, I mean, I literally hurt. I was talking to Marywood university athletics last Tuesday, did a virtual presentation. It was all the head coaches, some assistants and some of the athletes. And I said, you don't, I mean, I hurt for you guys, but there is nobody I'd rather be in a fight with if I was an athlete than your coaches and your coaches and your athletes and with each other, because there's something special about, about that bond. And, you know, you, if you're listening and you're like, I just don't really have anyone, there is someone. And here's a funny thing that's going to happen when you open up to somebody and you make yourself vulnerable and you start talking about these sorts of things, you're going to end up helping them just as much as they help you. You're going to end up feeding off each other and develop a relationship that you never thought was capable. And it's going to be the law of attraction. Just doors are just going to open. The, the interesting thing about that is John and I are not like humans, right? We're just, we're not really like he is uh, reflective and thoughtful and a great listener. Mm-hmm. And I am outgoing and uh, kind of on top of people sometimes like I'm the extrovert. He's the introvert, mm-hmm. but the thing that has been the uniting force in our relationship from day one, from the very, very beginning is that one of us, and I don't know who or how we're playing Tetris one night (laughs) till four in the morning. And we start talking about real stuff. We start talking about vulnerable stuff, stuff we wouldn't talk about the stuff that's real in our lives. And John played offense. I played defense. John's a big guy. I'm a, I'm a skinny, right? Like that's so is that why you smile when I talked about the offense, turning the ball over and you had to go back on the field. Seriously. John has told the story on the podcast before where, when the offense turned the ball over our defense was like rabbit dogs, man. Right. It was like, we came out there flying around. Like it's our chance. It's our opportunity. We get to go. And he's talked about how that just buoyed him as a person to say, I'm coming off the field, head down, hang dog, right. Frustrated. Cause yeah. we just made a mistake. We erred. And now, cause our, so our football team ball control offense, like we, we played 50 snaps on defense instead of 80, like sometimes, cause they just yeah. Yeah. milk the clock. The so any chance we got to go out and play, we didn't care if we were backed yeah. up. Right. We didn't care. Like we just wanted to go fire, you know, go crazy. And that, relationship right yeah absolutely because i was thinking that story when you said when the offense turns the ball over the defense gets a shot wasn't it funny how you guys started talking about stuff that meant something like that feeling you get in your gut like this is this is exactly what i needed right or this is you you, you know someone has you know and you guys hey i, I do this exercise with with uh, athletic departments athletic teams and i'll do it with businesses where they look at each other and they literally yell i refuse to let you fail I refuse. Like when you know someone's there and legit authentically has your back, right? And they're going to refuse to let you fail and they're going to help you. That's such a, that's such a cool thing. It's so powerful. Yeah. And so, so Jamie, your, your point was, yeah, we came, it didn't take very long for us though, to come off the field after we turned it over, we didn't score, whatever for you guys to come, come running past us. Like, Hey, we don't worry. We got this for us to then, switch our our perspective on what just happened for us too it's like okay cool they're gonna take care of it right and i think that's and that's where it grew that you know like you said i'm gonna i refuse to let you guys fail that's how it felt when our defense ran on the field it's like don't worry guys we're gonna be fine you know and then and then that built when you know jamie you and i were just talking about the other day like you guys gave up so many first drive touchdowns you know our my senior year and it's like it didn't matter to us from an offensive perspective because it's like we're going to go down and score 
and eventually you guys are going to figure it out. Right. And so just that trust that, that, and that consistency, you know, coming from, but you have to have it, right. You have to have somebody saying, I refuse to let you fail. And I think that's a powerful activity. Wow. Yeah. And you have to say it to yourself a lot, <laughs> especially right now. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Especially right now. And I think when you are that person to yourself, you allow yourself to be that person to somebody else, right? When you, when you demonstrate that integrity, that honesty, that vulnerability, guess what? You draw other like-minded folks to come in, to share that headspace with you, to, to, to share that heart space. Cause that's what we're talking about. This is heart stuff, time. right? Yep. Yeah. And when, when you can give that away, you're going to get it back in spades, man. You're just, it's just going to come flying at you. And, uh, that's why I love listening to your pod. Cause I just feel like I'm getting filled up, you know? Yeah. And, and that's what I hope ours is and what this conversation does oh, for other people today. And, uh, you know, I, that heart stuff, when your heart kind of overflows mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. gives it away, that's what all this coaching is about. It doesn't matter if it's that's coaching it. athletics. It doesn't matter if it's coaching business. It doesn't matter if it's talking in your relationship with your spouse. Like, well, you, you think about it, you just said it, like we always talk in, in so many guests talked about connecting the heart and the head, right? You talk about the heart space. Think about the best coaches, the ones who've had the biggest impact on your life are the ones that what? The ones that would challenge you, push you outside your comfort zone, probably saw more in you than you saw in yourself, but they also had a ton of compassion for you, right? They knew that every single player was an individual who had different things going on in their world. And they were there to, to talk, to spend time. The door was open, whatever. It went way beyond you know, it went way outside the, the, the sideline, the field, the end zone. I mean, it way off the court. And that's what it's all about because that's when you feel something, you know, we, we, everyone acts like there's this big secret to getting people to buy in. When you figure out a way to, to, to operate authentically. Okay. And you've got to have the skills. You have to have the skills. You have to be committed to developing the skills. You have to be the face the team needs to see. But if, if you can get your people emotionally attached to you, and, and develop this deep level of trust. And in order to do that, that goes back to what I said, you can't sell what you don't own. You've got to trust yourself. Like you've got to know that it's not a facade. That's why you see so many different, you know, teams crumble when their backs are against the wall. That's why you see coaching careers after 20, 25 years, all of a sudden true colors come out. You know, I mean, some of this NCAA stuff that's going on. I mean, there's a lot of skeletons right now that, that are just, right at the edge of that threshold of that closet coming out and it's not pretty. And that's why you've got to do things the right way for the right reasons. And when you do that, you know, there's a great book out that I read years ago by, um, by David Brooks, the road to character. Yeah. And he talks about, and I never forget, I was actually on a business trip in an air at O'Hare getting ready to fly down to, for a business trip to meet with someone. It was very apropos of the book and the subject of what we were going through as an organization. And, you know, you talk about resume virtues versus eulogy virtues. Your resume is going to be a byproduct of doing things the right way. Okay. Your, your, your resume is going to be a byproduct of leading with the heart. And that just, you know, to me, when, and that's why I love what you guys do. And I, I, I tip my hat at you, incredible podcasts, incredible guests. I was so humbled to be on, but we need more of this and we need more of this. And here's, what's great. We talk about it, opportunity with adversity, right? When we get through this, and then we might not be through this till the end of 2021, we don't know, but are you going to be better? You know, what's your skill set going to be? What's your mindset going to be? What are your, what's your, 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 you know, I always call it basketball IQ, right? There's football IQ. What's your EQ going to be? How are, are you going to have developed deeper relationships? Or are you going to have pushed people away? 
Are you going to be closer to yourself or are you going to be further away from yourself? What is it? Are you going to have, you know, are you going to have made a difference or are you going to have made a positive difference or, you know, what's your legacy going to be? We're all going to have a legacy when this is said and done. And what is your legacy going to be? That's an unbelievable challenge mm -hmm. to think about daily, not just because COVID, not just because we're in a, a strange season, like of life right now. Mm -hmm. What is your legacy? What's the eulogy virtues that you are leaving behind mm -hmm. today, tomorrow, every day moving forward, man? You so, know, and before we wrap it up, you, you, you reminded me of something earlier and I forgot to mention it. Um, Dr. James P. Gills, okay? Six double Ironman, which is bizarre in itself, but the real bizarre things he did the sixth one when he was in his 50s, okay? And I heard him on a podcast years ago and they asked him, what was the key to your success? And there's a couple of folks that talk about this all the time now, but I'll never forget it. I mean, I had, I'd always studied Ironman. My dad did an Ironman years and years and years ago. And I was just always kind of intrigued by it. Not intrigued enough to actually do a full Ironman. Okay. But intrigued. <laughs> and what made them tick, right? And what made them go and what made them so, you know, so successful. And he said, it was my ability to stop listening to myself and start talking to myself, start talking to myself, stop listening to myself. Right. And you think about that. What's the conversation we're having in my head. So if there's someone out there, like I don't have folks in my life like that. Okay. Well, first thing, start reading and listening to the right things and start having that conversation in your head okay, and start controlling that. And the other, the other story that I told the other day that I thought was pretty cool is something good is about to happen. And I think we need that now more than ever. And again, not political, a little bit of irony there, not, not at all, but something good is about to happen in a sense, that, and, 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 and not in the sense that you're not working towards that, right? The Stockdale paradox, we all know that Jim Collins, good to great. When, um, you know, General Stockdale was, was interviewed about who didn't survive the Hanoi Hotel. Who was it? And he said, the optimists. They just thought, okay, Christmas will come, we'll be released. Easter will come, we'll be released. Fourth of July will come, we'll be released. And they died because they, they, were, op they, they were optimistic that it would happen. But the ones that were realistic, right? So are you an optimistic realist or a realistic optimist, whatever you want to say, but you continue to work towards that. And I use the example of Bethany Hamilton and Bethany Hamilton was a surfer and soul surfer. Okay. And it's funny because when this, when this pandemic started with my kids, I'm like, okay, I can't watch kids movies 24 seven right now. I go, here's what we're going to do. My kids are little athletes. They love athletics. I go, all right, guys, we're going to watch sports stories that are based on a true story. And it sounded like a really good idea at first. Okay. So then, and then you start going through them, you know, all of a sudden there's, there's a few that got eliminated real quick, but, um, but we watched glory road. We watched, remember the Titans. My kids love remember the Titans. Okay. But then we watched uh, soul surfer, which was about Bethany Hamilton. And she, when she was 13 years old, she got attacked by a shark while surfing. And they asked her what got her through that. And she said, I really felt like I needed to get back in the water. My mom and dad were kind of like, no, take your time. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to be nervous, but I was in a hurry to get back in. And they said, well, why are you in a hurry to get back in the water? She goes, I, I believe the sooner I got back in the water, something good was going to happen. And I think if we do this and we, we don't know when it's going to happen, we don't know how it's going to happen or how it's going to show up. But if you wake up every single day and control the controllables and you truly believe that something good is going to happen, right? I mean, it's, it's a no, it's a no brainer how this is going to go. I love it, man. <laughs> hey, Ed, thanks for, thanks for coming thanks, on. We guys. appreciate your time. And, um, 
Safe Keep travels, John. Jamie, good luck with the remodeling. Thanks, man. Appreciate yeah. it. Thank you, sir. Loved having right. you. Take care. Thanks so much. Later. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Ed for joining us today. As you're listening out there, you know, the biggest thing for us is that if you find value in what we're doing, what you're hearing, please go and share it. You know, it's cliche to say, hey, go rate, review, whatever. For us, it's it's bigger than that. All of those things help. So if you want to do those things, feel free to do those things. Check us out on social media, all of that stuff. But for us, Jamie, it's about giving good juice, right? Giving to people. So feel free to share this, find somebody that hasn't listened or you think would find value and let them check it out. Jamie, Ed, ton of challenges in there. And I, it's going to be hard to pull out one, but I know we were just talking about one. I think that stood out to both of us. It's this idea that the magic is in the consistency, right? When we can reframe and shape challenge and adversity as for us rather than to us, or that we look to be our best rather than to be the best, those consistent reminders that what am I doing with what I have to be the best that I am capable of being, that consistent reminder shows up daily in our lives that's when the magic happens. It's not this one-off. It's every day. And if you don't, like Ed said, have some grace with yourself and then get back on and be consistent tomorrow and the day after that. And as always, live eyes up.